Hello, everyone. This is Rick with the Styro Pro Podcast. Five questions in nine minutes because hackers never sleep. Let's get to it. Joe, first question, easiest question of the day. Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, I'm I'm Joe Gross. I'm the director of solution engineering at Greylog. Uh, and so I'm responsible for all of the technical people that help up, help people decide if our product is the right fit for them. Um, and I also head up our community and our Greylog Labs project, which is just uh, trying to bring cybersecurity knowledge to uh, you know the broader audience of Greylog as a whole and and the sim space, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Thank you for adding in that 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 sim component. Yeah. Talk to me why you love being a cybersecurity professional. Yeah. Um, so. I think there's two reasons. There's kind of a personal reason, which is um, that my oldest son, he's six, is convinced that every day what I do is save the internet, um, which is just which is just the best feeling, right? Like, <laughs> pretty convinced he thinks that I wear a cape every day. Um, so that that's kind of the the top one. But the other the other part of it is, I just love solving problems. And there's kind of no bigger problem out there than than cyber because you have this this group of people that are kind of you know that have the these inherent needs that they need to make, meet and this is the way that they're going to meet those needs, right? They're gonna they're gonna get this money to go be able to, you know, put food on their table, uh, you know, do whatever they need to do. And obviously it grows into larger organiza criminal organizations from there. But you you have this group of people that is incredibly motivated. And then you have kind of us on the blue side that are also incredibly motivated by defending, uh, you know, defending you know these organizations that we work for, um, and it's just kind of this constant power struggle, right? This constant push pull, um, and I think it's just fascinating to be a part of, you know, trying to constantly outsmart each other. Uh, it's just super fun and always has been. <laughs> I'm gonna throw a curveball question in. Yeah, please. You just mentioned something about being a blue member. I know that to be a blue team member. Why did you choose uh, blue team versus red team? And 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 you know what are your thoughts on that? Uh, so I didn't originally choose blue team. Um, I got my start in cybersecurity, uh, do, doing things I wasn't supposed to be doing on the internet, <laughs> um, and and got uh, we'll call it scared straight in college, um, and started working for the university in their cybersecurity, um, in, in their kind of security services organization. Um, so I was working, uh, doing like malware analysis and cleanups and all those kinds of things. Um, and, and, and from there it, um, just kind of grew into this kind of love of balancing risk with reward, right. Um, and just kind of the constant analytics of it. So I got to dive into the data behind it. Right. And, and understand you know, hey, yeah, we can we can put in place this control, but it's going to limit these forty people from being able to do their job, and it's going to cost us three million dollars, right? And so, um, yeah, what what started as as being fun, trying to figure out how to break things and and analyzing how I could get into to to place that wasn't supposed to be, uh, turned into a different kind of analysis, right? <laughs> and it's kind of uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I got steered straight into it. <laughs> That's a really big part. Great story. I appreciate that. Yeah. So that's a good pivot then, right? You have you have the best of both sides of, of the world of cybersecurity in your brain. Yeah. 
when I say cybersecurity is a top concern, what does that mean to you? Yeah, you know, I think I think it means a couple of different things. You know, I think um, from one perspective, right, it is a, it is something that today every single person is thinking about in some way, shape, or form, right? From from you know, cybersecurity professionals that do it every day and executives down to you know, like uh, you know, nine year olds getting their Fortnite uh, accounts hacked, right? Like, I mean, it is something that is actually kind of a a a, a global, a globally connecting issue, which is kind of a unique thing for us, right? Um, so I, I think that's one piece of it, and it, and it affects every person. Everyone has lost money or had their password stolen or or something like that, and the risk is real for everyone. Um, but then I think also, kind of in in a different in a different direction, right? Um, we have real vulnerability, especially in the United States, and and you know, with our critical infrastructure and where that sits, um, you know, we, uh, 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 we actually, you know, have, you know, we saw like the colonial pipeline last year where, where this is, you know, there are very real world consequences to not getting this right going forward. Um, and the risk associated with ignoring it is just getting larger. Um, and so, yeah, top priority. I mean, it, it's a top priority because it literally has the ability or a top concern it has the ability to change everything about the way that we live our life. Um, and I think that's, you know, that is both something that I think can bring people together around the issue of cybersecurity and something that I think scares a lot of people into inaction and being kind of afraid to, and, and then just kind of ignoring the space. No, that's, that's great insight. And speaking of insight, what insight do you want to share with our cyber network? Yeah. So I want to, so the last five or six years of my career in cyber have been centered around logs and sim <laughs> and, and it is so much fun to deal with these small pieces of data that just flow in constantly. But, uh, but I, but I want to share this concept that I'm seeing more and more where people are taking their sims and turning them into um, what uh, malware Jake affectionately calls a log toilet. Um, so I'm gonna give him a little shout out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it is, you know, and, and, and the truth is that, you know, you have vendors that are large and influential and have great tools that are, you know, going to organizations and telling them, hey, just put everything in here. Put everything in here. We'll be able to handle it, I swear, right? But what's happening is is we're not putting the forethought into the stuff that's going in and making conscious decisions as to what actually matters, right? So um, things like EDR telemetry logs, right? Um, so how your EDR was performing at the time of an incident. Not super important long-term, right? It's, it's interesting short-term. It's interesting, you know, in that moment to be able to go and look, oh yeah, um, you know, Susie's laptop in finance has messed up and the EDR is the issue. Yeah, that's that's interesting, right? Um, you know, but but when you have a large-scale incident, um, that isn't going to help you in, in a lot of ways, right? Um, but one that we see people leave off all the time that they don't retain for enough period of time or they don't take in at all is DHCP logs. 
and you know you get into an environment and it's great that you know that this piece of you know that this piece of malware originated on 192.168.34.5 uh, right it's great that you know that but unless you can tell me at that date at that time what machine that was our investigation's done our incident response is over there's nothing more i can do for you <laughs> and so i'm gonna i'm gonna move on right and and so the there's this business conversation around we need to retain our logs because there's compliance requirements and there's regulatory requirements and things like that. Um, but then there's also, we, we lose sight of the fact that we bring in logs for a very specific reason outside of compliance and it's truly detection and response to cyber incidents, right? And, it, and if those logs aren't there for that purpose, maybe you need a different system for those logs. Uh, maybe you need to work on, you know, segmenting those logs out into something, into something different. Um, but, you know, in general, right, we need to be asking ourselves up front, is this log going to directly contribute to an alarm that is going to be triggered in this SIM that is directly tied to a risk that we've identified in a risk, in a risk assessment that we have determined that this is the way that we're going to mitigate that risk, right? We need, we need to ask that question up front. And then, and then the next question we need to ask is, even if that's a no, when that alarm goes off, what supporting data do I need to investigate that to be able to know what happened to get me to that place, right? And be able to walk that incident backwards so that I'm not blind when that alarm goes off. And so I think that's really kind of the core that I want to get out of, you know, in kind of the, the time that we have today is, is, you know, begin to ask yourself those questions of, of, you know, logging is an important fundamental piece of all parts of technology. Um, cybersecurity logging is specific and we need to be specific about the logs that we take in and be considerate of those things. And if that doesn't fit with the logging that your app devs need to do or that your IT infrastructure team needs to do or something along those lines, then, then you need to consider how you handle those logs separately and handle those logs differently. It doesn't necessarily mean you need a different vendor. It doesn't necessarily mean you need a different system, but it requires a different level of consideration. And, you know, if you have, if you have a good vendor, they'll tell you how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Joe, here's the final and fun question for you. What's your favorite piece of retro technology that makes you smile? Uh, mine is a Nintendo 64, which I don't know if it's necessarily like super retro, but it was my childhood in every way. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, I mean, um, growing up kind of in like the early nineties coming home and, you know, jumping on immediately to, you know, uh, to like Mario 64 or, uh, super smash bros or whatever it was. Um, you know, doing land parties with my friends at their houses, like packing them up and bringing them with me. That was, you know, that was for many years, <laughs> a core tenant and, um, you know, in something that, uh, that I will always stop and play if I find one somewhere, uh, you know, out at like a barcade or something along those lines will always steal my attention away. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. I was a golden eye guy. So I feel you. Yeah. 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 hundred <laughs> percent. Golden eye was the best. <laughs> Joe, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for watching the CyberPro podcast. 
Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out on new podcasts and bonus content.